to the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Race Hour podcast group to the friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Um, special, uh, well, welcome back, I would say, this week to uh, a couple of, uh, well, one a recent protagonist and one one from a little bit further back. It's myself, Dean Ryan, of course, in the towers at bookmakers.co.uk. Wow, I said that enough times this year not to get it wrong. Um, uh, Demo Nolan is here, Demo. Hello, Dino, how are you? Good, thank you. Um, Darren Hughes is back, Darren. Hey, Dean, how's it going? Very well, and uh, you're not hosting today. I'll have to I'll have to muddle my way through it instead of you. But you're back on the punditry chair, so that's good to have. And um, welcome back to Stephen Cass. Stephen. Yes, hello everyone. Yeah, thanks for having me back. You're gradually phasing me out. I guess every year the rotor comes out, and I get less and less days. And yeah, so probably down to one next year. So this is probably the third last appearance on the podcast. Probably <laughs> at this rate. <laughs> let's let's celebrate it. Third last appearance. Yeah, we tend to not be able to use Cass for December because of uh, Cass and Coe's shop. So we may as well get that get that mentioned in now. And then uh, afterwards, then we tend to to go full on Cass. Then between January and March, really tends to be the the pattern of it. I'm not, I'm not sure about that now. I'm, I think I'm down for two days this year, and, uh, and then, that's enough. The listeners will, that's a, as much as they'll tolerate, I'd say. I don't think so. <laughs> hey, a little sideline here. I never told you this, uh, Stephen, but um, News Talk were doing a chat about the best sandwich in Ireland during the week. And uh, yeah, I didn't, I don't really buy many sandwiches. And if I do, they're a panini, right? So you can't really call that anything. So I sent in a message saying Cass and Co. And I can't remember where your shop is, so you can remind me. But I got your address <laughs> yeah. off the website, and um, and I slung it in there and said they they do the best pulled pork dogs. Well done. We don't do that, but yeah. And what? Uh, <laughs> get a get right out. <laughs> Uh, do you know how I know that you have done pulled pork dogs? Yeah, I scanned down your Cass and Co Twitter, and it was a special at some point. So I said, yes, were amazing. it was, it was. Did did it get read out? I don't know because I didn't listen to it for long enough. Probably yeah, but nobody. No, someone would normally say they say it like, "Oh, I heard your mention on News Talk, or I heard your mention on." <laughs> In fact, no one ever says this. But I was, what was I on once ever? Oh, RT people on yeah, the the the, the people of Middle Ireland. They only listen to RT radio, so no one listens to News yes. Talk as far as I can tell. Sure, it's yeah, a bit I of a hipster have station. Middle Ireland man, I can tell you, News Talk has never been on in my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Your parents have never heard of it. No, once I, I, no, I didn't know this is limited to Dublin. Yeah, and once Ivan Yates was on it once, they burned their radio and refused to ever listen again. <laughs> I used to like Ivan. See, I'm yeah, just one of these ins though. You know, I don't, I don't have any of the, the natural kind of, you know, patriotic, I don't know what it is, territorial sense. I don't care. Like, I just listen to it because it's funny. Yeah, most of the time. Andrew Yates, who we'd all know from Twitter, he's Ivan's young fella. That's right. That is, yeah, nice fella. proper racing Another. bunch. Um, was it, was the bookmakers called Celtic? Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Well, look, that's an interesting segue. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that out. What we are here to do, yeah, yeah, no, no, it'll be in. What we are here to do on the, on the race, hour, of course, is we normally do a, a quick review, but we've stopped doing the traditional let's go through every horse that ran uh, last weekend and see what we think of them. And everyone's going to get a few minutes to give us um, maybe something that they caught their eye outside of what's been discussed elsewhere uh, to uh, infinitum. 
And then, um, and then maybe, you know, something else of a talking point before we do get stuck into what is a wonderful weekend of racing, of course, kicking off at Cheltenham on Friday through to Sundays, a bit of Punchestown. And I think there's even a bit of a national at Fontwell, which we might throw into the mix. So all that's come. But before we go there, Darren, I might kick off with you. Um, anything from the weekend to note, uh, anything you want to get off your chest? Do you want to go to the bad first? Okay, uh, go with the good. Let's go with the good. Good first. My mate Mozzie from Sunday. This horse is an absolute superstar. He's the best novice uh, jumper I've seen in an awful long time. He just doesn't make mistakes. He's very slick. I think he had the father covered on Sunday, um, who did kind of come up alongside, but I don't think Mark Walsh had gone for everything. I'd be really, really surprised if this horse doesn't make up into a grade one horse at some point. And I can also see him being underestimated, underestimated in the market for the rest of the season, given Gavin Cromwell trained, you know, when he comes up against something trained by Willie Mullins or Gordon Elliott, etc. I could see him being slightly mm-hmm. underestimated. So he is certainly one uh, one of those dreaded 10 to follow that I refuse to participate in any year. But if I did participate, he would be one of mine. I, I'm a huge fan of this horse. And then kind of look, this this has been trotted out a million and one times and I'm hardly the first to say it. But uh, UK trainers whinging again about prize money and fee- I, I, they just they don't seem to be particularly bright. I, Emmett Mullins pointed this out last year. Um, with the more battle slash county hurdle comparison, you know, the more battle hurdle up in Kelso were 47 grand. He sent the shunter over, won as he liked, went on to Shelton to win the bonus. I think it was only 11 runners in that. You rock up to the county hurdle, then five million runners in it, it's worth five grand less, and trainers continue to whinge about prize money. There's 13 grand tomorrow for that novice chase in Cheltenham, the, 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 the two runner novice chase as it is now. Five grand per second, three grand from the running third. How is there not another novice chaser in all of Britain for that race? Even allowing for the ground being somewhat quick. I just, you know, at some point you kind of have to take a look at yourself in the mirror when you start winching like these trainers do and ask yourself, am I really doing everything to maximise the opportunities I give my horse? And for me, the answer is fundamentally no. Um, I, I, I just, I don't understand how you can end up with a two-runner novice chase with 13 grand to the winner there tomorrow. And again, I think instead of whinging about prize money, maybe, you know, trainers could actually pick, pick up a racing calendar or the the, uh, the race planner book, or whatever the hell you call it, and start planning their horses' seasons out earlier on. Okay, I think that makes a lot of sense, Darren. But I will counter you slightly. Yeah, how what what value do you put on winning the more battle over the county hurdle as an owner or a trainer? Forty-seven grand versus forty-two grand. That's the way yeah, I, I, knew, I, knew, I knew you'd come back with me with the financial value. But if I was an owner, I'd much rather have the county hurdle. Than the more battle, no disrespect well, I mean, the, to the, uh, the, the winner. The winner, the, the horse that won the more battle hurdle, went on to win the um, the two mile five handicap chase at uh, at Cheltenham. What I can't remember the name of the race. Crown Advisor, or something, is it? Crown Advisor, whichever one it is. So it's, in, it's not impossible. You know, I, I don't see why there's a hundred grand bonus there for a reason. I don't I don't see why the why why more horses don't try it. You know, even if I know. Look, that they've made the financial incentive is massive. Like it's sitting there right in front of you, but you know. I know, but Jesus, Dean, like, if you own the horse in the UK now, the the Irish have it somewhat by the bollocks at the moment, so you are trying to, you know. No doubt. Yeah, you know, so, like, like not cutting your cloth accordingly, it does. It does just, just seem silly but is another issue though with the novice chases is that they seem to carry their hurdle rating across to chasing, so a lot of them are nearly ready to go on a handicap first time over in the UK. As, like, and they you know, go straight into handicaps. You know, it's yeah, like, you know, in yeah, Ireland, they kind of let them wait. They have to race three times, whilst in the UK, they, they, they do make them. Or, you know, you can go straight into handicaps. So that probably does affect the uh, the novice chasing schedule there as well, doesn't it? I don't understand what that's about. Like, in the, They seem to have a, a really close tie between 
you know, heard this is kind of completely off topic, but heard the ratings and chase ratings over in the UK. And you know, if one goes up, the other tends to follow. Even you know, a horse that you know maybe wasn't brilliant over sticks goes over fences and wins. His hurdle mark rises with his chase mark in a lot of cases where you just that just that doesn't happen here. They're completed. They're considered entirely separate disciplines, which I think is a is a is a much better way to do it. Yeah. Then you get two bites at the same cherry. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I gotcha. I got you. Okay, Darren, thank you. My mate Mozzie goes into the notebooks. We've got one of your 10 to follow for the season uh, now. Dan, thanks. You'll do well to get another nine out of me now is all I'd say. Yeah, we'll we'll try and tease something else out of you. But I mean, you're kind of doing it with hindsight in play. So that's that's even cheating even further. Um, We're on to Dermo now. Dermo, take it away. Good, the bad, whatever you want. Yeah, of course. Um, First of all, of all the gin joints was my nap last week. um, And I really thought that he was coming. He was swinging in to win. I thought about three out or... four out when he jumped to the front i just thought dear god and he he just went out like there there's definitely something wrong with his breathing and he's done that a few times now um he was fifth at Aintree last year same story was going really well and cut out behind happy go lucky so he is i think if they can sort his breathing there is a a very decent pot in this horse he's rated 134 now after that run um so there is a hundred percent a decent race in him and then the the bad dean um it's just uh Young jockeys in horse racing, it's, it's really starting, starting to annoy me because uh, Patrick Cowley was suspended there for 42 days for failing to achieve the best possible placing aboard uh, Get Supreme at Fontwell in September. Now, like, they've gone through this case over and over again. And, like, the explanation from Cowley and from Brian Barr it seemed quite reasonable. It was that Cowley just decided that he was beaten and thought there was, there was absolutely no point finishing out this race, as a lot of the jockeys around him did. And Brian Barr said afterwards, he said he doesn't have enough horses to pull one. And that um, he, the horse is so out of form that there's just there's no sense with the marks that he's on not to try. But what irritates me is, is that Brian Barr was deemed innocent and Patrick Cowley gets 42 two days of a ban. And this happens consistently. Like, like young jockeys in horse racing are either allowed to run down their claim in a year and then we don't hear from them much again. And there's loads of examples of that. Young jockeys who are quite good run down their claims in about six months and they're gone. Or else then, in this circumstances, trainers, owners or whatever else can put a young jockey up on a horse. They may be told not to go full on or whatever way we want to put that. And the young jockey faces the full brunt of the crime. And this isn't just the BHA... I'll never forget back in 2013 as well, Thomas Doran, like this is going on a long time. Thomas Doran was banned for 50 days by the Ballon Robe stewards because he um, he was found not to have achieved, again, the best possible placing aboard Messini's trap. He gets banned for 50 days. Thomas Doran did not wake up that morning and decide that he wasn't going to try full pelt on that horse. And next time out, Messini's trap lands a massive gamble under Ruby Walsh. Um, and we haven't really heard of Thomas Doran as a jockey since then so mm. like you cannot continue to have young jockeys and i understand there's a you know you have to be bred in and everything else but the bha and the hri they seem to just young jockeys will take the full brunt of the blame they're very easy um, it, it makes it look like you're on top of this was really the main problem of trainers and owners who are obviously the ones who are planning out their year they're maybe not trying in one race but they will in the next they're the issue and if they really want to fix this they have to fix what is a defunct handicap system and not consistently ban young jockeys for 40 days or 50 days for something that they're clearly not deciding to do themselves and i just think it's absolutely ridiculous thing. 
Yeah, I totally, totally um, agree with pretty much all of that. They always seem to make an example of the little guys. So it looks like they're hard on the sport and then they won't touch anything that has any kind of ramifications in terms of big headline names or anything like that. So I'm totally on board with that. And as for the the difference between trainer and, and jockey situation, now that is just bizarre. And I don't think you can explain it outside of anyone who uh, watches racing day to day. And it's hard to explain it within that. Um, yep. Stephen Cash, you are up. Um, in terms of horse to follow, <laughs> you laugh at me now, but I thought Andy Dufresne run, ran one hell of a hey. race behind Captain hey. Guinness. Yeah, he was actually <laughs> Good to have you back. Andy Dufresne <laughs> was giving him seven pounds, uh, and he looked like he, he nearly looked the winner. But two miles wouldn't be his trip. He's only beaten four lengths, so to give Captain Guinness seven pounds, um, like he was rated in the one forties, they put him up two pounds to one fifty one. I would have thought at one forty nine, he would have had a great chance in something like uh, the December Gold Cup at Cheltenham two and a half mm. is going to be his trip or Leopardstown uh, I think th- I don't know it's a two two and a half mile handicap the big race is there one at Christmas but certainly there is at the Dublin Racing Festival so he'd be I just think he's better than 151 um, so Andy Dufresne I still haven't given up hope um, in terms of what's getting under my skin the, 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 the there was the news that emerged yesterday about the drug bust, shall we call it, uh, by the IHRB mm. at the yard, or well, the yard is the wrong word, at the facility, whoever was yep. running it in Monaster Evan. Um, the talk at the sales today, uh, talking to a few people this morning, it sounds like, you know, from, people will know more and may know more when they hear this, but it sounds like it's an operation, a facility that a, an awful lot of trainers use. And while I heard the two names of the trainers at Hard Horses there, there's nothing unusual in that. I think there's more shock. Um, amongst the trainer community seems to be what's being said. What's very positive to take out of it is uh, it's only this year that the IHRB are allowed to enter non-licensed premises and not training operations to test. So the fact they went in on a tip-off into an unlicensed premises into uh, somebody who had thoroughbreds in their care and could do a test and found things wrong, I think is very positive because with what's going on with Jim Bulger... Uh, comments, uh, and I'll get to that in a second, but, you know, I don't think the problem is in the yards. I think that there certainly is suggestions of uh, doping in the sport, and I think probably a bigger problem could be external locations where horses are held before they come back into licensed yards. That's guessing. Uh, It's hearsay, but I just think that's the obvious place to do it uh, because that's where the testing couldn't happen. It's good to see the IHRB got into one of those places and have done testing and something's coming out of it. The notion that the sport can just, you know, turn its nose up and presume that everything's okay and rose in the garden and there isn't a drugs problem, I I think is is nonsense. The Joint Committee report came out yesterday into the, the Jim Bulger thing. You might remember the, the Oireachtas word, which our UK listeners would struggle with, but that came up a lot. Uh, There's a lot of talk on Nick Luck Daily when the Oireachtas committee was looking into the Jim Bulger thing. The report came out yesterday. Uh, it was a nothing report. Like the, the, the main recommendations were they need to look at gender balance on the IHRB committee. Fair enough, they mm-hmm. should. Uh, yeah. Funnily enough, it was a nine-man committee with no women on it that made this recommendation. Um, they also said that the first five home in every race should be tested, which now... This made me very cross. That's absolute bollocks. The problem isn't that the horses on race days, they're not going to test positive. Whoever's juicing is ahead of that. They're not going to be sending a horse ready to be tested. If the IHRB is wasting resources testing one, two, three, four, five home, how are we supposed to have the money to send testers 
to the external locations, to the yards, and do spot checks. I just think that is such bollocks, and that may be very cross. Um, yeah. But the notion, like, there's so much evidence out there in the last few years. We've had Nikki Henderson, champion trainer, be banned for six months for a performance-enhancing drug. That's a fact. Shark Hanlon, positive cobalt test to the Galway winner. Camlin, that's a fact. Joseph O'Brien had a positive... Um, Cobalt test that was washed. Uh, that was you know. There's no suggestion Joseph was doping in the um, subsequent look into that because uh, they said they accepted his his reasoning that it was a salt lick. Uh, Philip Fenton anabolics. Dennis Hogan had a horse called Turbine who tested positive for anabolics. The horse was off for a year. Dennis Hogan got a slap on the wrist. The horse comes back a year later, wins first time up. In the US, we've had Bob Baffert. We've had Jason Service. The Eclipse Award is going to be won by a trainer who, whether we like it or not, was the assistant to a known doper. Um, no suggestion that he's doping himself, but he was the assistant to a convicted doper. So, yep. it, like, the sport is smelly, and we need to own up to it. And I think, the you know, it's a good news story in a way that the IHRB is getting in and getting test results, because that's what we need to see. We can't just keep turning a blind eye to it. Um, everything I've said there is a little contentious, but all of those are facts. They're in the public domain, so I, I'd rather we were talking about it than not talking about it. But that's that's what's getting under my grill today, especially that joint committee recommendation that they should test the first five home in every race. That just seems so wasteful to me. But anyway, that's, that's just my little window rant. dressing, just total window dressing. Yeah, there's no, exactly. There's absolutely no need for that. That's um, uh, that's brilliant as well, Cass. Uh, what you just put it said there obviously because there's a decent section of our um, our uk friends on twitter that, that would love to just paint this as a an irish racing issue um and anyone that does believe that it's one side of the coin is just stupid and the thing as well is that yes testing anyone on race day you very rarely lance armstrong never tested positive on race day or you know michelle smith obviously never tested positive you know um it's you have to catch them beforehand catching them on the day is next to impossible yep Okay, thank you. I think that then wraps up the first section of the podcast today. You listen, of course, to The Race Albrook, too, with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. After the break, we'll come back. We'll do the uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday at Cheltenham. A little bit of Punchestown thrown in as well. Some good horses there. And I think there's an odd uh, national at Fontwell that someone wanted included. So I expect we've got the winner of that race. We'll be back after this break. You're listening to The Race Hour podcast, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk, sponsors of the race hour. Welcome back to the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan, Dermot Nolan, Stephen Cass and Darren Hughes and we're about to get stuck into... uh, Ah, serious weekend of racing. Of course, it all gets underway at Cheltenham on Friday. Um, uh, I might actually just cover Friday first before we get stuck into Saturday and Sunday. Um, this is an open question because the fields are reasonably small and the better stuff is perhaps on the Saturday and Sunday. But uh, Demo, do you have anything for the Friday at Cheltenham before we do get stuck into Saturday and Sunday's cards? Absolutely nothing. No. The, the cards on Friday do do very, very little for me. Uh, the only one that I was kind of looking forward to seeing and who could be a mental price is potentially Moon over Germany there at 40-1 to 1 for Robin Dickon. Uh, was very talented for Henry de Bromhead and has a breeding operation everything since. The fact that he's given up that horse. But just after Kashari last weekend went off at 80-1 to 1 to win for a relatively new trainer there um, in Christie. I wonder what uh, Moon Over Germany could maybe do off that mark 
under Larkin Murphy. But uh, he's 40 to 1 in the 145 on Friday. But um, that'll be a, a 1 euro each way or something like that, I'd say. Dave. Ooh, big stake. Big okay. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, I actually did think it was that bad. Do you know what? On any normal weekend, we'd be delighted with that Friday card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> <laughs> Darren, uh, I'll hit you with Cheltenham on Friday. Yeah, I think uh, I think Jinan Lime is a cracking price of eleven to four to beat my Drogo. I really what? do. Uh, what? I genuinely do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm surprised that there's such a differential in price between the two. Uh, the horse comes here race fit. Um, will li- likely get its own way out in front. Rachel rides the favorite. Fav- the fa- favorite is a bolt. Jinan Lime comes brilliantly. Um, ground is likely to be pretty quick as well. I would say quicker than people might give it credit for yeah I, I honestly i was very surprised that the horse was put in at 11 to 4 um and i think it's too big of a price so i'll certainly be getting involved with those odds my word you cannot say anything wrong about my drogo ever until uh until it happens but yeah okay uh gin and lime it's only gonna be two runners um yeah yeah that's, that's small, points. small field and then like she, she'll get her own way out in front yeah them's a front runner's traffic when the ground is when the ground is quick and i just think she might catch the five on the half on the day sure Sure. Okay, Stephen, did you have something for Friday at Cheltenham? Not no. Um, but I can see what, where Darren's going. That I think my Drogo is going to be a three miler in time. So mm-hmm. I yeah, yeah. I, I'd definitely be happy to take him on if you if you took the view. Um, I'd be very interested to see how Stolen Silver does for Sam Thomas. He's a trainer. I think that's you know. I'm not saying I I, I think he's one on the upper anthem, but just he seems to be being spoken about as if he's. Uh, doing a great job so yes yeah, see if he can improve on um was it twist davis that 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 um stolen yeah it was, was yeah yeah he seems to have got all those owners horses i'll dance there as well everything yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. just I, I i i interested to see how he gets on um first sam thomas but no uh nothing no 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 great view but i think my drogo two and a half yeah he'd probably just get away with it i think against Jenna line but i think in time he could be both coppers yeah, I, I'm super excited about him. That you know, no one's going to be uh, jumping up and down about seven to two on in a two-runner field. Everyone will just be watching, probably. Apart from Darren, who's going to have a smash on Gin Online, which you know, if it comes off, I'll take my hat off there. Um, in the cross country, I did think Plan of Attack is an interesting recruit to these for Henry de Bromhead. Dara keeps going to ride that, and um, it, yeah, I, I quite like the look at that. And it's not normally a race I get involved in, but when it piqued my interest when I saw Plan of Attack entered there. For Henry de Bromhead and uh, Dara Keith, but they've got Rachel, of course, on Balco de Flo um, in those crazy colours at the at top of the market there for that. Uh, Glen Farkas cross country. Okay, that's a bit Friday. We're going to run through the Saturday races. Um, first one is a small enough field to kick us off with. Um, third time lucky, though. Who's believing the Arkle hype, Stephen Cass? Are you? No, definitely not me. Um, I backed this horse at Musselburgh at even money. I think he went off odds on and he, he folded like a cheap deck chair. And I think he's. He looked great the last day, but he, you know, what would have been left after the line? I find this with a lot of the skeleton horses, they basically bomb to the front, away they go. Now, he did jump super, but I always wonder what's left after the line with them. They kind of, the line comes in time and they can look a bit impressive when they get ahead. It's like Chamblou, you know, would he won by 15 lengths or would he start to, to tire on the run? We don't know mm-hmm. that, but you know a lot of his horses go like that um third time lucky he was a, a a good to average hurdler um he didn't beat much the last day i don't think that buddy rich is that good he won a really really bad 
uh, beginner's chase that fell apart at Navin the last day. He's only a horse in the 130s and Buddy Rich was coming back at him at the line the last day. If you look at it from three out and you count the seconds between them, there was about six seconds. And then at the line, there was three seconds. So I'm not sure how much was left in the tank with third time lucky. So therefore, I don't know how impressive it was. Um, I don't know what there is to take him on with. I, I, I probably won't be having a bet in the race, but yeah, kept, couldn't have him on my mind for the arc. No, and nor could I, which is why I framed it so mischievously. But um, yeah, it's not not for me either. I, again, I'm not sure a race I'd be getting stuck into. Darren, what about you? Ah, uh, no. Um, watching watching brief, I'd say. Look, um, third time lucky is by far and away the most likely winner. Uh, I don't think it's a great race, as Cass kind of alluded to there. Um, not sure he has much to beat. If he pulls like he pulled the last day, he won't get round in an article, much less win one. But uh, tomorrow, he more than likely just go and win, and I'll, I'll be I'll be I'll be watching it. Hard not exactly with bated breath or anything, but I will watch it. Yeah, I watch it too. Demo. Yeah, I I I kind of like what what uh, what they're doing here, small, but with uh, with Mick Pastor too. He you know he ran just last weekend. Uh, he'll come here. He'll probably be, be be blown out of the water. His handicap mark could could drop a little bit, and two miles will be his trip. I think by by the way that he's been running, and it would be no surprise to see a, a bit of a plunge on Mick Pastor next year in the Grand Annual. Um, I thought that was an eye-catching run last weekend. A wing Canton, very hard to know how good Captain Tomcat is. So I'll be watching him with interest, but no, Dean, as a betting he's, uh, I have zero interest because I think uh, third time lucky will be, uh, I think I I don't see him in the first three in an article next year. I, I just don't think he's that good. So I think the uh, the skeletons are being very clever in uh, picking apart these these, uh, these early season races. Get it done. Yeah, why not? Okay. Um, Dem, I'm going to stick with you because um, the, the way I, I think I was talking before we started recording this, that this is probably the strongest, maybe there isn't a Gold Cup horse in hit quite yet, but it's one of the strongest Paddy Power Gold Cup renewals I can remember. And I've been to a lot of them. And this looks super. The 2.15 at Cheltenham on Saturday um, is, is a rock star race. What do you think? It's a phenomenal race. Like even, I know he's out of form, but like just looking at the, the kind of chief outsider there, Dayran, the, the Carrack, if he won, you could turn around to yourself and go, oh yeah, to be fair, he was two lengths behind Midnight Shadow last year and yeah. six and a quarter lengths behind Champ, you know, as in like this is all, or sorry, the uh, season before last, you know, even him, you're kind of going, yeah, fair enough, but the, I like two, uh, the main one I like, um, I'm on a slightly bigger, but 16 to one is still a good bet. I really like Nietzsche here. I think he's an absolutely cracking bet. I mean, th- there was a serious run in the ultimate I recommend anyone to watch it back. Traveling really well, hit the 12th really badly, but got himself together to travel really sweetly again and just flattened out of it about three out, but still ran a very good race to finish eight that day. Uh, that was a really hot race and it was just a bit too far and it had gone wrong against him. But last season, um, over two miles here at Sheldon, just over two miles, he lost a shoe two out when he was holding absolutely every chance. Like He was traveling as well. Um, and the, the two horses ahead of him, so he finished about 10 lengths or a bit more behind him that day. But he was definitely going to be in contention, bar that happened to him. And the two horses ahead of him that day were Sky Pirate and Iblio. They are uh, £25, yeah, and um, and £18 higher now. He's £2 lower. Uh, the ground will suit him. Um, I think he's he's he won the 2018 Greywood Hurdle at Cheltenham, beating Silver Streak. Um, before he won that Greywood hurdle, he had a warm-up on the flat. He's had that this year 
as well. He scrapes in here off bottom weight under Danny McMenamin, who I think is a very, very good jockey. And Brian Ellison, he just targets these pots so well. He's an eight-year-old running here off 133. I think Nietzsche, I, I just think that the fact that he's had two very unlucky runs and two big races at Cheltenham and off 133 he's a very decent price I can see why there's a gamble but at 16 to 1 he, he's still a decent price and the other one Dean that I really like is Galahad Quest but I'm going to leave that completely to you to to go on about why he's uh, he's such a good bet and there's been a bit of a gamble on him too Dean hasn't there yeah look everyone would have watched the the return especially after listening to this podcast and me telling everyone there's a gold cup horse then they would have watched the return with their with uh, open eyes and i don't think he's been missed has he he's a superstar five-year-old for nick williams and at some point um he's gonna have to deliver and i'm surprised to be honest emma that they're going for this race because he's only five uh, i know they have a nice mark to work with and it does look like he had the perfect prep there as a warm-up i'd like a little bit softer ground and maybe even a, a touch further to be honest but um, there's no doubting that there, uh, for me anyway, that the sky's the limit for this horse. But what a race for him to go and try and prove it in because, you know, Zanza's in here, Demo, who's another horse that I really like. Yeah. And you mentioned that race that Nietzsche was in with Sky Pirate and all that. So was Zanza, you know, and that's, um, yeah, I think there's there's room in that mark too. And the other one is Caribbean Boy, who I think if it puts it all together would be a live oh, channel. Paddy I could probably. 100% tips that horse, isn't he? Of course he would, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. I, I could probably make a case for everything in the field, which is how competitive I think it is. Maybe I might rule out one or two, but uh, I really hope Galahad yeah, Quest Yeah, Nietzsche wins. and Galahad Quest uh, reverse forecasting. That's, that's where you go. Yeah. If there's, yeah. If there's a horse with... 30 pounds in hand in the race oh, here we go no 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 i agree i'm not i don't i'm not gonna tip him but it, like if there is one that is 20 that has 20 pounds in hand it is galahad quest you know he's the only one with that kind of upside yeah, yeah. you know and, and five-year-olds like cypher malta won this is a five-year-old and kid burley won it as a five-year-old so they can i remember long run no no long run never won this I don't no think. no he didn't win this i think he got beaten it off top yeah oh, did he? he was okay, five okay. you're right i think yeah. he went off favorite and paul nichols had won in purple color as a gray horse memories gas i just had it in my head and won this race synchronized beat him was it um no oh, synchronized definitely wouldn't have been quick enough to win this no it wasn't synchronized, uh, no uh, long run would have been i don't know little josh or, or, yeah maybe little josh that year yeah but um yeah galahad quest yeah he tanked into it but he still looks very inexperienced doesn't he dean that's the worry that's my that's my issue if this was next year and they really were light with him this season he'd, he'd hack up here but like, they're gonna keep going on he's only five so I think he's a gold cup horse and gold cup horses off one, three, five, even at five years old should be able to pull this off. So I'd be, I'm super excited about him. I just wish it was an easy. That was a real old school prep too, wasn't it? It was very, it was quiet. Yeah, it was a real old school. Shit, we're going to win. We're actually going to win. Oh no, 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 we're not going to win. We're not going to win. It's okay. It's okay. Relax. Um, You know, and they wouldn't have minded winning. I think you could have taken a few pounds for it. No problem. Um, I think that this horse can go anywhere at once. So I'm just fingers crossed. I backed it and I hope that uh, it it proves. But you remember last year and I don't know if if we have listeners who've retained uh, for that long, but I told everyone our dancer was a certainty in this. So Stephen, you got the winner. Cool Cody was your pick last year against my absolute certainty, which was our dancer. So uh, go on, not Galahad Quest. What is it? Yeah, I, I, I love. I picked Cool Cody. I love picking the 
the unfashionable exposed type in this race. I think if you start yeah. going back through it, uh, who was the last unexposed novice kid Burley in 2014? And you keep going back, keep going back to, to know there isn't that many of them, even though everyone mm. seems to think it's a race for the unexposed second season novice. Um, the Pike Yard nailed it a couple of times, didn't they? With like Lady Cricket and um, Cypher Malta and yeah. it was another one. Anyway, yes, go on. you're yeah. going back to... Yeah to the 90s basically is, is, is yeah, when, and, when, and when, when the pipes really were a force um yeah so so i like to look at the more exposed ones i i i also bet nietzsche earlier on in the week but i, I think the price is gone now I, I i can't i couldn't recommend them at kind of 14 16 to 1 i think uh, you know you've missed missed the wedding there but the one if i was going to head one that can win he's 10 to 1 at the moment at six places is midnight shadow I tipped him up for this last year when we were doing the podcast on a Wednesday. They didn't run him. They ran him instead in December. Um, and he finished second that day to, to Chatham Street Lad. He's a pound lower now uh, for this year, but he's a year older, a year stronger. He's an eight-year-old now, and he had a brilliant prep in the old Roan. He actually, I thought, looked like winning, coming to two out. Um, really, really good run. He finished third to all mankind that day. Last year, he ran pretty stink in the old Roan and then went on to finish second in the December Gold Cup. Uh, I just think Everton's set up for him this year to, to, to run well. Um, and the other one who I think will give a good run is Spirit of the Games, who's uh, running off 144, haven't been second in this last year, off 148, I think. And he always runs really well at Cheltenham. He won't be fancied. Bridget Andrews is riding him um, because they have Protectorat from the same yard will be the jolly Protectorat. Uh, he's been beaten in all four attempts in fields of 10 or more. I think 154 is high enough. You know, he wouldn't have a ton in hand. He might. He might have 10 pounds in hand, but I, I, he's the kind of horse that strikes me. He wants a bit of room in his race. I'm not sure the hustle and bustle of uh, a Paddy Power Gold Cup will suit him. So I will be backing Midnight Shadow, who would be my main bet in the race. Now, if he goes any shorter, I wouldn't be backing him at 7 or 8 to 1. But uh, 10 to 1 with 6 places is fine. And I'll also back Spirit of the Games. I think Spirit of the Games, you will get 13 to one plus win only on Betfair um, because he's that kind of a horse that they, you know he doesn't look unexposed enough to win but providing there's nothing with 12 10 or 12 pounds in hand if he if he has five or six pounds in hand which I think he he might mm. uh, he could be in the mix and he'll be a big price yep okay uh, good shots I, I wouldn't be surprised to hear any horse here made a case for but um, Midnight Shadow does fit that that profile pretty well for the one that if it just delivers a few pounds above and other things don't go to plan for some of the more sexier ones I see where you're going uh, Darren I get a feeling you might row in behind this unexposed five-year-old yeah yeah I think we were kind of just discussing it before the podcast started that's where um, his feeling came from was the team. you're not supposed to give away the secrets it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so kind of look behind the curtain I, i'm breaking the fourth wall of uh, of, uh, of the uh, of the podcast yeah um, yeah look i suppose the race kind of revolves around glaler to, to an extent i think he takes up far too much in the market look he's gotten as pretty much as big a trainer upgrade as he possibly can get but you still can't turn a goose into a swan no matter who trains and i wouldn't take the 11 to 2 on offer with mm. your money uh, the front side of the market, the front end of the market, I'd probably side with Al Dancer of the ones kind of single-digit prices. Uh, for my money, he's also gotten a trainer upgrade. But uh, ultimately, I fell down on the side of Galahad Quest. Uh, I really liked the manner of his victory over Marone last February. Uh, I thought he ran a screamer off a long layoff behind Goodbye Bobby last time out. And his weakness in the market there suggested that he'd need the run. Uh, I think, you know, off, kind of coming in here off a low weight, I always like backing an exposed horse off a low weight. He also has the advantage of being a 
Nick Williams horse that isn't ridden by Chester Williams. Um, Nick and David Noonan have kind of banged in a couple of winners lately, and I think he can go well for the pair again. So anything 12s plus is fine. I imagine you'll get a raft of extra prices on the day. And uh, yeah, I'm, I listen, I don't know whether the horse will ever make up into a Gold Cup horse, or I don't know whether he's £30 in hand, but I think uh, I, I am expecting a big run out of him on Saturday. So fingers crossed. Yeah, I want him to come back. If he comes back safe and sound, he go close. And then and then I can still dream about uh, the Gold Cup ticket I don't have. But um, at some point, I'm hoping that I'll be able to play him in, in a race of that nature. Um, but, you know, this is, a, this is a big test. And as I said at the outset of this race, it is a mighty competitive Paddy Power Gold Cup. One of the best I can recall. So I'll be watching it with one eye closed, I think, and, uh, and from behind the couch. But I look forward to it. Uh, fingers crossed. Uh, whatever you get involved with and you know there's a couple there we didn't even really mention that uh, definitely have claims Darren I might stick with you on the 250 at Cheltenham I have a theory in this race but I'm going to save it to last because I want to hear what everyone else uh, thinks about this so you can kick off with the um, well it's a it's a three mile handicap hurdle but a few of these would be hoping to be a bit better than that at some point maybe Absolutely, yeah. And look, as expected, this is this is pretty tricky. Uh, but I did think that on a gathering storm, shaped like a very good horse uh, last time out in a race that I think will work out particularly well. Uh, I think that Bardenstown lad is a, a little bit of a monster uh, myself. And he's kind of my idea of the Albert Bartlett winner at this early stage. Um, I really think, again, he's another horse that I reckon could, could end up being underestimated in various betting markets as the year goes on he's one of those you want to keep on side though uh but that's kind of beside the point uh some of the commentary around on a gathering storm kind of suggested he didn't stay last time out but i thought he plugged on okay to finish uh finished third in the end beating 11 lengths and i think i'm going to chance he just put that down to needing to run quite badly as opposed to him not actually staying uh look team o'brien are absolutely flying at the moment that's uh anyone can see that i think paddy brennan rides Cheltenham particularly well also um, he has a £7 swing here with Dragon Bones, who's half the price uh, from the last day. And Dragon Bones went into that race behind Bar- behind Town Lad race fit. So all of those things put together, I think tens is plenty big about On a Gathering Storm here. And I'd be happy to back him at any double-digit price or bigger. Okay. On a Gathering Storm in the 250 for Darren. Um, okay, Demo, why don't you give us something in here? Literally the exact same for the exact same reasons. I, I was drawn to Dragon nice. Bones because I thought uh, Harry Skelton kind of... Uh, uh, had given him a bit too much to do maybe behind Barrister Lad. Barrister Lad just wasn't for passing. Uh, we actually discussed him when Darren was hosting. I, I think he's a very good horse, that uh, Barrister Lad. So, uh, yeah, on a gathering storm with that weight turnaround there. And I know Charlie Todd is on to claim three pounds off, but there's still a weight turnaround there. So, on a gathering storm, a 10 to 1, I thought, is a decent bet. Two um, shouts for a double figures price on a gathering storm. Fergal Brown and Paddy um, Brennan. Okay, Stephen Cass. Yeah, I really liked him as well, but I kind of wanted him to go for the 2-5. I just think he'd be absolutely spot on at that trip. Uh, Darren said he thought he, it wasn't that he didn't stay, he blew up. I'd agree with that. I, I think, you know, it, it wasn't the trip that beat him, but I, at the same time, I wouldn't be so sure um, that he wouldn't be better over a little shorter. And 130, just a little high. I was, I was humming and hawing. It was him. Uh, and then I came down on Kansas City Chief, who won a Pertemps qualifier uh, off 120. He's five pounds higher um, today. But I just thought he got a really good ride that day off Victoria Malzard, and she'd be claiming seven. 
just a featherweight. They, they, but whatever about that, look, I'm, I'm talking shite there because I'm not even going to back that horse. But I, what I'm going to do is lay Prashima and running because I don't think Prashima will get three miles at Cheltenham and he's going to come there swinging and he's still going to be on the bridle possibly after the last of Harry Skelton can hold on to him and he normally tries mm-hmm. to. And this horse could be really short and running and get done. So that's going to be my I'd say he must lay. do amazing work at home, cast this horse, because he's, he's, he's relatively... I know last time, not a big price, but he relatively goes off short prices all the time, really, doesn't he? But he is a proper horse, and he's a, he's a good horse in the flat and a proper engine, and he does absolutely tank into his races. Um, but he's just a bit of a bridle merchant, yeah, I think. Yeah. And I, I think that Hill at Cheltenham, after three miles, I don't think he's going to get home. And he's going to get a lovely toe into this and be sw- come there swinging, and he's going to be the favourite. Therefore, he's going to go very short and running. And I think we have a good chance of getting a right little touch and running here. You could be getting 1.1 or 1.2 here matched. Um, so, you know, you can have your 20 quid to an 100. But I, I, I'd like 5 to 1 that he gets done and running at 1 to 5. I think that's not a bad price, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yep, I like the angle. Uh, right, here's my theory, okay? And uh, I might need a bit of help from someone along the way. Um, if Sport and John wins this off 11-12, um, he goes for the stairs hurdle, does he? Have to, yeah, yeah, would have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. What price not, for the stairs then? Um, not in the market. Oh, there's loads of those, they drive you mad. There's horses for the like, I'd love to back Gerda Manil for the um champion hurdle, not in the market. Um, there's another one I was looking at the other day. There's loads of horses you think they'd be in the market. Basically, every horse that ran in the Albert Bartlett isn't in the market for the stairs, you know, anything that you finish third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. They're, do you know what's worse when you when you do go and ask them, you get a stupid price. That's why I can't do anything oh. about it. Can I get a price? And it's like, yeah, 16. It's like, for fuck's sake. Do you know what I mean? Is yeah. If you put it in the exchange, it's probably triple digits. Like, yeah, but the yeah. way to do it is to put them in on the exchange. Ask, ask the exchange to put them in. They're good now. If you go, if you get onto Betfair and ask them to put them in the exchange, but it'll take a while. Could take a couple of weeks before the prices start ticking up, up to your, yeah. you know, yeah. 150 to 1 at Sporting John or whatever it would be. Job for you whilst with even doing this now, Stephen, is to get him into the exchange for me before the end of the podcast. That'd be class. Okay, we'll see what okay. happens. I'll get on the case. Um, <laughs> I love it. Um, right, that's my theory anyway, because um, you know, if Sport and John wins this, I'd be I'd be most concerned about him more than anything else against Time Hill. They're both in the same yard, so that's a bit of a You'd be most concerned but, um, about Sporting and, John than anything else in the whole stairs hurdle market. Yep. Jeez, that's 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 some statement. Less yeah, less less of a pig than classical dream, I would say. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't I, like I, I love... either. Like, but Jesus, still, I mean, fuck. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there isn't many concerns. Even if you did watch Time Hill run around in France, looking like he'd never seen uh, one of those <laughs> odd-looking hurdles in his life, it was he's one not of the, the first horse, though, is he? He fucking hates France. Whatever it is, there's a few of them that just go over there and go, "Oh no, 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 definitely not." Everything was wrong about that. Um, even though I think the horse tried his hardest, we'll see Time Hill back uh, in normal circumstances at some point but yeah there's my theory and uh, I, i'll be probably chance and sporting john here but stephen castle is telling you the best way to do it is to back him for this and then get a free bet at another price uh, when you know that he's actually on course for the race you want to back him for so if you want to go back and listen to other podcasts stephen has explained that plenty of times uh demo the 325 at cheltenham there's only really one horse worth talking about and you can start there it's number one on the card um Go for it. Yeah, I'm in two minds because whenever I see Stephen Cass on the um, on the roster and add him in and he'll be thing, uh, I always laugh at the Pat's Fancy episode when he just went mad when Pat's Fancy kept being entered every week and it just kept not running. So I just ended up talking about it every week. And Benson has been somewhat of a similar horse. Look, 
I don't need to go on too much. Listeners will know how much I love this horse. Uh, he's crazy. He's mental, uh, but he's so talented. Yeah, but do the line. Do the line. You have to do. The yeah, line. if he stays within the, <laughs> if he stays within the uh, two posts and win. <laughs> uh, but um, last, like, just, just he caught my attention first of February twenty twenty when I, on his debut over hurdles they decided to run him in the uh, contenders hurdle against Call Me Lord K Distance to proper horses and he came to the second last like he was going to absolutely run away with them and uh, he just decided to throw Sean Bowen off that day. Since then he had wind surgery won three times last season was absolutely brilliant at Sandown. Um, really good all together hammered Mister Coffee and then the run afterwards took him a bit too long to get going. On heavy ground over one miles um and seven furlongs and a half but he dean you messed me after the race and said you know what he probably he should have won that race really because the way he flew into it mm-hmm. and behind him that day was belfast banter in front of him was buzz this these are all proper proper horses and um he goes up and trip which will suit him because that gives him a bit more time to jump lee edwards works at richard newland stable so he knows his horse inside out he's one of them him before as well this horse takes a kind of a special bit of riding really um and lee edwards will know this horse inside out a very capable pilot and at eight to one or so i don't like the two horses ahead of him uh, i thought gal road would be the one that would be the biggest threat to him i think gal road is a very good horse and a mark of 134 could underestimate him they'd be the kind of two horses that i'd be looking at here but benson i think is very very good i think he's grade three standard maybe something like that and um, so a mark of 136 i think he, he can definitely win off that thing if he stays between the rails he wins that's benson um uh, that, yeah but at that point about the rails could be more valid here than yes. even his previous ones yes. he has he's only ever been left-handed once and it was his worst ever run yeah and he does strike me as a horse that he's, he, he's so quirky and he goes so well right-handed, and he's such so hard to control. I wonder about him going left-handed around Cheltenham. Yeah, I don't know about the the left-handed thing being too much of an issue um, until it's properly tried out. I just think he just boils over at times, and I think the wind surgery will help. I think the fact that Richard Newland never had any fear, he was entered it a few ways at Cheltenham, he just didn't make it. Um, but we'll kind of wait and see. But it will be more Cass. I completely agree. Though jumping the last is where I I, I could see potential issues with. Uh, or sorry, the second last where he hits a bit of open air is where I'd see a bit of issues with Benson. Yes, but the open air would be the worry. Yeah, he won't be hard, concerned. So I presume you'll always get a bigger price in running. Is he like? Would you not do, recommend you know put up your tenor at? Um, it didn't happen at Ascot. And running. It didn't happen at Ascot. Okay. I think the the proper layers are on to. They're wise to it. They're on to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dermo's a married man now. Chance of him sitting there at Cheltenham 325 playing him running. <laughs> Dermo, all Dermo does is watch racing. All he does is talk about these English jockeys that I've never heard of and tell me they're really good. How is he watching so much racing? <laughs> uh, it's all on recall. I tend to, yeah, I tend to watch that, that, uh, that racing replay show every evening. That's, that's what I yep. tend to do. Nice. Nice. Stephen, do you want to carry on? Um, yeah, I, I, I would be uh, Benson. I, I think we all tipped him up the time he ran in that 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 graded race or listed race or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I'd just be worried about him. McIlduff, I think, is an awful head carriage. Wouldn't like him around Cheltenham. Uh, Gowell Road has it all to prove. I think. Uh, I just, I, I think it's interesting that Conor O'Dwyer sending over Capilano Bridge. That was a good race at Punchestown, a novice handicap hurdle that he was second to Capadano. 
Uh, now, he was well beaten, I think, Capadano. It's going to be an absolute monster over fences, like an absolute monster. But he was second to him and well clear a third in a competitive novice handicap hurdle at Punchestown. That's good handicap form. Uh, the English handicapper has bumped him up seven, but Shane Fitzgerald takes off five. Now, there's a lot of hype about Shane Fitzgerald. He's not the finished article yet, but he's good for his five-pound claim. So he's really only running off two pounds higher than his Irish mark here. We know that that's a big help in English handicap hurdles. He's plenty of experience. Two mile five is his trip. Um, he just doesn't quite get home over three uh, Capilano Bridge. So he has good form in behind. He's trying to give uh, good horses like Velvet, Elvis Waite, who's only beat three lengths last year. Um, he's quite consistent as well. And I'd, I'd, I'd be hopeful enough to bring him over. He's 12 to 1. I'd give him a, a good shout. Okay. Um, Capilano Bridge, Darren? Oh, I nearly feel ashamed putting this up, to be honest, because it's so boring. But. I genuinely think Unexpected Party is absolutely thrown in here off 120. Um, I thought about him and his jockey did plenty around the last day. He still won as he liked. I think he should be absolutely fine on the likely quick ground. And to be honest, I think this is a greater performer in the making, which I know is probably a big shout to make after a one novice hurdle win. But yeah, look, I know he's 10 to 3 and I know it's pretty boring. You'll probably get the same price in the day is the only thing. So I wouldn't say back him now. You might even get bigger, but... Um, I think it's actually pretty fair. I think it's a reasonable price uh, for what isn't, as far as I'm concerned, the strongest race going. So, unexpected parity is boring, and all this that is, I'm uh, putting up here. Unexpected shout from you, that Darren, to be honest. But um, if he's going to be as good as that, then 120 is a little bit of a, a, a mistake, and we'll see. Um, priced up accordingly, you could argue. Um, okay, Darren, why don't you? Um, I mean, that was that was Saturday at Cheltenham. There is the um, the novice chase, the Grade Two at Punchestown as well um, on Saturday, twelve thirty-eight. Um, be exciting to see some of these go against each other. Likes of Riviere de Tail, Cape Gentleman, of course, has already started. So, uh, um, Buddy Rich and Bittered. Um take it away, Darren. Yeah, look, I put up Cape Gentleman and bought his starts this season, and I'm not going to desert him now. Um, look, it's hard to know what price is going to be. I, I didn't see prices up before we started the podcast. None there. But uh, none there. So, I, I look, anything six to four plus would look a bit to me. Uh, that might be a little bit hopeful. I don't think this is a great race. Um, not 100% sure what exactly will show up. No, I think Buddy he'll, he'll, he'll definitely be six to four because uh, you have Buddy Rich running and he's give him weight. Does Buddy Rich definitely run? Yeah. They're all dropped up. Yeah, 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 there's we've, seven we've of them. They're all dropped up. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, Sorry. Yeah, when, when I looked, I wasn't sure. Apologies. Yeah, so Embittered runs, Buddy Rich, Chunga, Grange Rock, Take All, Riviera to Tell. It'll be something like seven to four, Two, Cape yeah. Gentleman, yeah. nine to four, Riviera to Tell, four to one, Buddy Rich, something like that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I, I'd be I'd be firmly on the side of Kate Chantman here. I, I actually think I'm very impressed with the first two starts out. So yeah, look, we'll, we'll see where price is in the day. It's, again, it's hard to tip without prices, you know. Um, the uh, the odds compilers could take a completely different view to me, or however many of them are, are left. So, but yeah, no, Kate Chantman here. <laughs> there's a few of them left. There is a few of them left. And they'll be listening to this because there is that few. Um, okay. Um, anyone else want to chip in on that? Yeah, Riviera to tell is interesting, isn't she? She was um, sure. she was very well bigged up going into that um, that Fred Winter last year. Now, of course, Fred Winter form is not something you'd ever dine out on. But considering how kind of little respect she gave for hurdles that day and how wide she was taken as well, she actually ran huge that day to finish uh, seven. She's only six and a half lengths behind Jeff Kidder. Um, she jumped absolutely brilliant last time at Fairy House. And whilst I'd agree that I think Cape Gentleman is the best horse in the race, he's to give a lot of weight here to Riviera the tell and she could uh under Dennis O'Regan who's obviously absolutely brilliant uh, 
light jockey as well as we all know um i think she just kind of whatever price she'll be she she could be very interesting okay Stephen, um, yeah, it is, it's it's a cracker of a race. It's certainly the best novice chase uh, on either side of the the of the Britain or Ireland over the on the Saturday. Um, I I don't know. I'm just going to leave it because Cape Gentleman. I think two and a half is his trip. So two miles, even though I love him and he's the best horse in the race. I think given eighteen pounds to Riviera to tell is going to be very Big very effort, tough. Yeah. And mm. she she beat Jeremy's Flame by eleven lengths. Jeremy's Flame ran in um, that race then. Oh, no, she didn't. Sorry, I'm getting confused. Did Jeremy's Flame run after? She did. Let me click in. Didn't she run in that race, the, the race that Rachel Blackmore won at the weekend, the beginner's chase on Mr. Incredible? I'm checking. Yes. So she was only beaten four lengths in that race by Mr. Incredible after um, Riviera de Tell beat her by 11 lengths. So mm-hmm. the form is pretty good as well. She's 18 pounds is a lot to give a good mare. And two miles is Riviera de Tell's trip. So I'd probably leave it alone. Um, and watch watch how the betting goes. Embittered is rated 142 as well, so he's a good stick. So it's definitely going to be odds against the field here, and if you really like one, you'll, you'll, you'll get a price. But uh, it's, it's a great little race. Mm. Yeah, sure is. Um, watching brief uh, this side for me as well, unless you know, the prices do something bizarre. Um, okay, why don't we skip into um, Sunday at Cheltenham then? Um, kicks off the 145 there is the grade three, and it's a bit of a marathon, this three mile, three and a half furlongs. Uh, some of the old favourites in here, Stephen. Yeah, I have no opinion on this one. You can go to the lads. They're messing, aren't they, with Tiger Roll? That's not coming. No, Tiger Roll's um, coming, I think. They had a pop at the... They they did their usual trick of entering the horse and then absolutely uh, fucking the, the handicapper out of it publicly. So I assume he's running because... Michael O'Leary. It was almost like entered. It was almost like entered so that they could have another. Actually, Michael O'Leary entered and then straight away quotes out slagging off the handicapper. So yeah, no, it's. Uh, yeah. I'd say he'll run and he'll run dismally because, as they try and prove their uh, their point, um, and this this side of Christmas, um, as we know by now, Tiger Roll doesn't really act all that much. Uh, Dean, not a huge opinion on this race just yet kind of want to see what the irish bring over i'd be very interested if uh, if port stanley came i think there is a big win in that horse but he's just very frustrating at this point um um but the favorite i thought if he was to stay around that price on the day uh, a real test like this is really going to suit him and he put big river away well last time who we know all big river does is stay and um Empire of the Mole put him away quite well. He's seven years old, and James Ewart wouldn't he wouldn't bring an awful lot of horses down to to Cheltenham. So I just thought he was very interesting. But again, I'll wait in the day for this race anyway. Dean. Yep, um, I wouldn't be uh, far away from landing with Port Stanley if this is the field that turns up, gets in there of nothing. If Jesse uh, sticks that one uh, over over the water, go on, Darren. Yeah, I found this tricky. Um, I sort of kind of I only sort of caught prices there in the last twenty minutes. I went looking at it to them initially, but the one I did come down on was Storm Control. If he was putting in a reasonable double figure price, which he looks to have been, I thought he actually shaped okay in reappearance. Um, certainly better than the form figure of pulled up would suggest. Mm. He obviously loves Cheltenham. He stays the trip well. Though in fairness, most of these probably stay the trip well. Uh, and I just think the market might under, might have underestimated him slightly at 12, considering he likely come off with the run. Uh, though Kerry Lee hasn't had a winner from her last five runners, which is, and some of them have ran pretty badly below market expectations. That's a slight concern, but I am probably willing to just take a chance on storm control at, at 12 to 1, though I'd say you'll get the same price on the day. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the comments after that run in October, um, actually I'm certain because I, I can see them here, um, was that Kerry uh, Lee had said that 
maybe those national fences just took the wind out of control. Yeah. yeah, and um, that can happen. That could definitely happen. Either lights them up or sends them back into their caves. So um be interesting to see with another another spin at it how storm control goes because if I hadn't run the last day, it would be a lot shorter price. There's no doubt about yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Darren, I'm gonna stick with you for the Schler. And that's the 220 on Sunday. Of course, it's the it's the two-mile contest. And uh, well, while Sky Pirate has to go up the ranks here, a couple of um, protagonists from, um, well, a few of them from champion chases, put the kettle on Nuba Negra, Politolog, of course, in there. A small field, but tricky one to sort out. There's no surprise that the Cheltenham starlet and the one that loves it the most, Henry de Bromwich, put the kettle on, uh, will probably go a favourite. Yeah, look, going to my head, I'd probably side with the mirror here, but I won't be having a bet. Um, I just think her, uh, her Cheltenham form is so far above everything else or, 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 or sorry all the, all the rest of her yeah. form that um you know look she's seven to four I, I, I've no interest in backing her at that price but I just I've never been a fan of Nube Negra there's not too many Spanish bread chasers uh, running around at the moment <laughs> uh, no, I look I know he is the form in the book but I'm not sure Chatham is his bag exactly either you can see the angle in the sky pirate little log will probably run well but yeah I, I look again going to my head i'll be with the mayor but it's it, it's not a bullish opinion at all i'd be happy to sit back and watch this yep um I, yeah i'd be inclined to think that if put the kettle on is uh, ready to rock and roll and no reason not to be um it'd be pretty tough to beat stephen cass uh put the kettle on yeah i think yep. seven to four is actually quite fair um mm. and i definitely side with her over nube negra i think they could have ran that race 20 times champion chase and nube negra would have looked like he was going to come there and she would have dogged it out to the line every time it, it never looked like he was traveling all over after the back of the last she was always maintaining the advantage so um i think she will beat him politolog is the best horse in this race i just hope they don't run him i hope they go for the tingle creek he bled at aintree or he had the bang in the nose at Cheltenham, I think that, you know, so no Nichols, he is going to be wound up for his life on whichever day he, he goes for. And mm-hmm. I just hope it's not a slower chase because we won't ever remember winning that. But if he goes and he beats Shaq and Porsois, uh and the non-runner Shishkin in um, the Tingle <laughs> Creek, then, you know, that'd be a great day. So I'm hoping he actually doesn't run and he goes for the Tingle Creek. <laughs> Yeah, maybe they're thinking the same, Stephen. Maybe yeah, they're thinking. Yeah. I can't believe Stephen Cass ever thinks we're going to phase him out of this podcast whenever, he, whenever we can get me. <laughs> but uh, I think, I think Politolog, if he's not declared for this, back that 20 to 1 each way for the Tingle Creek because he's still a proper, proper horse. And there'll probably only be three or four runners and you've three places at the moment. There's an angle. I love an angle. That's good. Uh, Dermo, will you be getting involved? Uh, no, but uh, put the kettle on. Uh, absolutely love her. As our listeners know, all over last season. So really looking forward to seeing her again. Look, if she drifts a bit past two to one or so, I definitely will get involved with her. But at the moment, no. Happy enough to, uh, to okay. sit here and watch that. Fascinating that we've gone through that race. And the angle that we're looking for is hopefully this doesn't run. So we get on it for this. <laughs> we didn't mention Rouge Fifth either. Who we, we, you know, no, we didn't. Good ground as well, Cass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good ground and, and getting six pounds off Nube Negra. Let's, let's, uh, and Politolog, if he runs... Um, he was so good that day at Cheltenham Unbelievable. last year in a handicap. But uh, look, you, you, New Yard, and it's only one run, so I wouldn't be backing him at eight to one. I'd want more like twelve, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think if Flitigal doesn't run and you're seven to four, put the kettle on in a match with Nubin Negra because I can't have Sky Pirate being good enough to beat her around Cheltenham. Then nope. seven to four in a match is a very good price, I think. Okay. 
Okay, I, I'd be inclined to uh, to row in there. Um, Demo, I'm going to come to you first on the, what is the, I guess, the other main feature race of the Cheltenham weekend, certainly from a, a competitive and punting nature, is the Greatwood. Uh, look forward to it most years. Ah, this race is not exciting me this time no, around. Same. Please change my mind. You can't, okay? No, I think it's... I was <laughs> so disappointed with it. Um, even the Irish horses coming over, like, Advanced Virgo, look, Charles... Or Colburn, sorry. It could be... Could, could be very good or etc but i don't know he's still struggling to win even on the flat um you know and i'm just not not a huge fan of this horse at all despite the fact that he will attract attract the old uh, burns money um cormier was another one i looked at danny mcmenamin and brian ellison but that was just lazy that was just basically following from my pick on the saturday really um and the one that i've landed down on um at 13 to 2 is west cork i just think that of all the horses here i think Adagio could be very good. He could win this off off top rating. Obviously, he's a quality horse if he runs. Tritonic, I think he's high enough in the ratings really for kind of what he's done. And four year olds can can really struggle at this time of the year. Obviously, so the one, yeah, West Cork. I just thought the beating of um, of Mister Coffee last season, and even the second at Kempton. Um, that horse that won that race, Highway One Hundred Two. He's not a bad horse at all. And behind him was Buzz, who's obviously won a Cesarowicz. So West Cork carries in an awful lot of the strongest form. We know that the Skeletons target this race with a decent hurdler always. They don't obviously land it always, but they do target it. Um, so West Cork would be the one for me because, Dean, I don't think there's any depth in this race whatsoever. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not enamoured with it West Cork is a shout there you made a good point about Adagio but um, you know, if Adagio come in that off top weight I think it just highlights the, the, the quality in behind it potentially but I mean there's a couple of flies in here that could be it could, could be super improvers Darren I'll let you uh, go at them yeah and that was the angle I took into it actually Dean uh, I think the Moors spent last year chasing their tails with natural history and I think that a summer to get to grips them will, will hopefully bring this horse on and allow him to translate his flat form over timber uh, look, Gary Moore is obviously in flying form. Uh, he's operating at a, a strike rate uh, hitherto unseen in his career, as far as I'm aware. Uh, and I think also this horse is going to be one of the better equipped ones to handle, but I think could be very fast ground. When you get very fast ground, especially in jumps racing, you can often get some odd results. But I do think this horse, um, obviously with his flat pedigree, I know he's by Nathaniel, they do handle a cut in the ground, but I think he, w- he will cope with very quick ground better than most of them in here. Uh, look, he's obviously throwing some very disappointing runs over sticks I mean his run in the Imperial Cup was very disappointing um, his run that he obviously went and got beat then and Newton Abbott in a novice hurdle at very short odds but again as I say I just think a summer to get to grips with the horse will bring him on I'd say they'd be very disappointed having paid 105,000 guineas for him if he can't try to be a, a small bit better than 125 over hurdle so yep. at around 16 to 1 I'm willing to take a chance yep I can see I can see that angle alright thank you uh, Stephen try and excite me yeah, I really like one here. I like Cormier. Uh, Dermo mentioned him. Brian Ellison won this race uh, with Nietzsche at the second attempt, uh, at his second attempt at the race. Cormier is going to have his second attempt. He was seventh last year off 136. But that was soft ground. This horse wants good ground. Um, he's definitely better off on good. He's four pounds lower than last year. He he, he has plenty of back class as well. He beat at uh, the 144 rated Favoir on his hurdle debut. Um, and he's coming into the race in absolutely bombing form. He's improved 11 pounds on the flat over the summer, winning twice. And if you watch, he then had a 55-day break before his prep for this. It was in the Welsh Champion Hurdle. And come to the last, you would have said, this guy is, is going very well. He'll, he will win. And he just kind of faded a little bit, finished fourth. Really good run. Um, Brian Nelson's horses are flying, absolutely flying. Um, 
we talked about Nietzsche earlier on, uh, but I think 14 to 1 Cormier, he's well handicapped in good form. Um, he's, he's, he's fitting the profile of another Ellison winner of the race. So, yeah, very sweet in Cormier. Nice. Lots to like and a potential for a big race double for Brian Ellison if it goes well uh, the day before as well. Of I course, went to do two. the double. I went I went to do the double, right, the, the other yeah. day. So Nietzsche was 40s and Cormier was 14s. And I, I had backed Nietzsche earlier on, didn't back Cormier yet, actually, and went to do the double. And for some reason on the race and post site, it wouldn't let me. And I just said, oh, fuck it, I won't bother. And if, well, if Nietzsche, like, yeah, it's not going to happen anyway. But if Nietzsche wins, I'd definitely be sick. But, um, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Ouch. Okay, let's hope it's not a double for Brennan. We're messing. Um, you know, good luck to them. Uh, there was two I wanted to throw into the mix here. Marie's Rocker, I don't think they had any expectation would be messing around the handicap still at this point uh, for Nikki Henderson, but off 135 is, um, yeah, I don't know how many more times you can you can go to the well with her, but there's there's potential and she's a big price. So I'll be interested to see what happens with that. And the other one is Botox has good ground. This kind of race didn't go right at Cheltenham uh, in March for them. And then, you know, it's pulled up and fell last two times. So that's in the price, but um, the Moors are in good Nick. And so I throw that one into the mix with conditions uh, to suit this time. Uh, caveat got to jump off near the front end. It's always quite tight. This race, I want it to be somewhere near the front and only five. I'm so surprised nobody tipped Jesse Evans with the, I think he does go over. So Noel Mead is sending Jesse Evans over as far as I know. And he's, he's running off only four pounds higher than when fourth in the Galway hurdle. Rare so raid. If anyone is thinking about him and listens to this pod before the next, as far as I've been told, he is going over. Okay. A rare old raid. I'm going for Noel lunch Mead. with Noel Mead next Friday. Lovely. Yeah. And I, I say that in a drop in a net, like he doesn't know he's going for lunch with me. I'm being dragged along. <laughs> <laughs> I'm friends. No mead is going to be listening to this going. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No mead's going to cancel his lunch next Friday. So it's it's, it's kind of it's the Helvig Dream Christmas party, and I'm good friends with one of the owners of Helvig Dream. I happened to be in Dublin that Friday, and he's like, "Come along, come along." And I met Noel Mead once. I I interviewed him for the Dublin Race Club, and oh my god, he's the best company I've ever been in. And he's just he tells brilliant stories, and I just can't wait to see him again. You know, he's just I cannot wait to sit there and listen to Noel Mead tell the stories. My company name is named after one of his horses. I just love him, love his horses. All like Archibald Pandorama, Aaron Concerto, all those horses were always my yeah, favorite. Yeah, legends. Horse. He's a legend. He's a legend. Yeah. So I expect you to send me in a nicely recorded quick voice interview about the season ahead from Noel Mead. I'm, I'm on. Podcast. I'm on the pod. I'm on the pod the week, two weeks time. So it'll be the the week after. Can get the you no anytime. Can you get no mead on? There's no That's... chance he's going to hear that I mentioned this in the pod. No one's going to be listening to this. We're now we're about an hour in now, are they? So everyone's switched <laughs> off by now. But I, I, really I hope I don't come across together. as dropping a clanger there. But I, I like I'm really excited about it. Like I can't oh, no, wait. I would be too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, what a I be too. All right, Stephen, I let you carry on in your in your uh, pomp here onto the uh, the three thirty at Cheltenham, uh, when no ordinary Joe is double declared. I just will uh, say that at the time we speak, and is in the market uh, for this race. But the Supreme Novices trial, and I like to move it, is um, well, it's well thought of, chaps. Yeah, and Coos is it's short. He's he's very inexperienced, and he looks like he's really only learning the game. Whereas I think Colonel Mustard would have that little bit of street smarts against him he's rated 144 he's five pounds and he's got a three pound swing at the weight so i'd much rather be back in colonel mustard i think being brought over here for lorna fowler Mm -hmm. um and i think it is the plan to bring him over so does he come if it doesn't rain were they hoping for rain to bring did they say that yeah 
I thought I thought it right. I'm nearly sure it's this horse in particular that they, they want an absolute spill of rain for him to travel over. There could be a, va- a, a load of non runners to Cheltenham at the weekend, I think, with the ground because yeah. it is going to be quick enough. They'll have the taps on, though. They will have the taps on. I'm sure it will be as described good to stuff. What stickiness is in there? I'm not sure, but I'm sure mm, it will be as described. Mm. Um, okay, but if Colonel Mustard runs, it, it'd be him I'd be interested in, but not a strong view. Okay, Darren. Um, yeah, look, this this race didn't do much for me. I think they're all relatively mediocre bunch. Probably one of them will be called with single figures for the Supreme after this. And yeah. Yeah, look, uh, at the prices, I might chance Washington if I was going to my head, but uh, I, I thought he was very impressive both in his two bumper starts, and I thought that he overcame a lot of experience in his first start over sticks as well. I thought he was actually quite good. And uh, given the possibility of non-runners, yeah, I thought Portrum was relatively fair, but I'm not going to be part of my own cash on this, and I'm happy to just watch it. No, I'm in the same boat as you, Demo. Uh, yeah, if uh, Colonel Mustard came over for Lorna Murphy, I think she'd be uh, very. Int- or sorry, he'd be very interesting. Uh, that was a huge run last year in the uh, in the uh, Merchant Solutions Champion Novice Hurdle. A punch down uh, echoes in rain. Won that with uh, Blue Lord in third um, so obviously since then has won at Galway um, if this horse does turn up I think what he's achieved on those two occasions is well clear of these so 6-1 to one, if you somehow do know that Lord of Murphy is going to send this horse over is a great price yeah we'll, maybe they need a bit of rain that's where we got to with that so we'll see um, okay thanks Dermo I think that's that's channel wrapped up for Saturday and Sunday um, now Dermo in the running order you put in the Southern National Handicap Chase at Fontwell at 310 I'm assuming it's because you know the winner I did that because I thought we'd want to be far reaching uh, and look like we're you know a real podcast of the um of the people uh, as far as this uh, this race goes i'm not absolutely cracked about it but the one i thought at uh, thing that who does turn up off 135 is a horse that everyone seemed to have fancied at one point for the four miler and the grand national he's never quite put it together but lebroy the day that he does it does all click for him he will definitely win ben pauling's yard is in a much better condition this season as well and off 11 to 2 i think lebroy is the one in this race who's genuinely um could be about 10 pounds clear of of his current rating one three five Lebroy currently in there around five to one I think for the uh, Southern National. Did uh, Stephen or Darren have anything for this football? No. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would hurt. See, I told you, Demo put it for a reason. Good man, Demo. Okay, yeah. uh, why don't we just have a quick look at Punchestown, though, before we do? I, I go quickly, just given that I was new to the podcast, I felt morally obliged to put something up here. Yes. So I did think I did think Salty Boy would run okay. At, at, look, he always shows up in these. At some stage, he'll win one. Maybe it'll be Sunday. He'll probably improve for his first run back to Linkfield. Um, yeah, again, look, he's if he's four to one or bigger on the day, I'll probably back him actually, to be honest. But because uh, he's pretty much guaranteed to hit the frame but um, well, I say pretty much guaranteed but you know what I mean but uh, yeah no it's, I wouldn't have a massively strong opinion either do you know what that's a great title for this week's podcast Salty Boy probably run okay imagine that we should, <laughs> we should do that I, I, I can only apologise on my side I, I noticed it was in the running order and assumed uh, Demo had something uh, unreal for it but you know we, we, we move on into Punchestown's on chaps and there are some uh, some very interesting horses running there um, Vanillier I'm particularly I hope I've said that you know, as, as yeah. they would like that yeah. um, but the Florida Pale Novices Chase always a good race and it's 12.30 Punchestown on Sunday really looking forward to seeing uh, uh, Vanillier run there but um, Darren I, I give you you know she gave me something for the Fontwell race why don't you give me something for this 
Yeah, I find this tricky to tip in, uh, especially without prices. Uh, I, I, again, I didn't see prices before the podcast when maybe somebody's going to show me wrong. Um, yeah, look, I'm going to stick on the Kate Gentleman farm lines. I thought Noble Yates could go well here. He he, he overcame an awful lot to win his uh, win, win on Chase debut at Galway. I'm not entirely sure what went wrong with him at Cork the last time. He was certainly punted as if he was the uh, the favoured one of the Mullins pair. So hopefully he might make amends. You know, it wouldn't be unheard of for a horse in these colours to run a shocker and come out the next day and improve. Hmm. Slightly up and trip. He looks like one that, stay, that will stay all day. Maybe slightly better ground might bring him into it. Um, and look it, again it'll all come down to what price he is um, whether or not I'll back him but I, I did think it was a, a tentative selection Do you like to see those colours on the race course um, and that's Noble Yates for Emmett Mullins Paul Byrne uh, Stephen did you like anything in Florida Pal? Um, no not without the decks wouldn't have a strong view on it um, yeah. yeah I don't think we're in position to tip here but it's like you know what are we uh what are we looking forward to? Maybe future yeah. engagements. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Like I, I was, I thought Fenelier was a little disappointing, and I think it'll take three miles to for him to see his best. So two six on a bit of quicker ground, I doubt they'll declare him. And mm. uh, Noble Yates actually travelled well into that race that um, that uh, Cape Gentleman won, and he did shape like the second best horse in the race. So I, I think, but with Paul being involved, maybe he'll be one for handicaps down the line. Um, and I thought Six Shooter was very good the last day. Uh, I believe they have a half-brother to him who's going for a bumper once the ground gets soft. That's meant to be very, very good. So that's my one little hot take on the race. Keep an eye out for some horse's unnamed half-brother who hasn't run yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gone, it's gone straight in my tracker. <laughs> He's meant to be a bit of a machine. <laughs> oh, that's that's the best. Yeah, exactly. Something yeah, you'd hear at a race. Oh, sorry, at I'm a race sorry. course bar, you'd hear that. I can't remember the name of the horse now, but watch out. Hey, write this down. Write this down. Watch out now for a son of Jeremy, and he's trained by. <laughs> I'll text you. I'll text you when I hear it again. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Demo. Uh, absolutely, uh, very little here, Dean. Uh, Vanillier is the one that I'm very interested in, but as uh, as Stephen Cass said, it was hard not to be disappointed by that last run. I know it was over too short at maybe too too tight a track, but still, he just he, he really wasn't great. And uh, interesting to see run while Fred p- pitch up in all these races. If he was a decent price, I'd maybe chance him here because I don't think this is a very good race. But again, they're probably just kind of getting him fit now for the uh, the old the old four miler next year or something like that. So it's a race that I won't be going too mad on. But uh, a Vanillier um, is the one long term deal that I I'll take out there. But it's all about um, all about Saldi and Morgan anyway, isn't it? Okay, well this is where we're going to go, right? This is the last race we're going to talk about in the podcast, right? So those of you that are suffering fatigue, it's actually not a bad one to end with. Um, I'm going to throw my uh, throw my reputation to the wind which i'm not really not bothered um whether this is right or wrong um but uh, i'm not a fan of echoes in rain at all and uh, if the ground stays anything like it looks like i'll just be getting involved in that one not winning but you tell me what you think them about the uh, morciana well abacadabras gets his ground for the first time in a long time but he is his reappearance record is not great at all um i know he won off a break at Goran Park, beating beside him. But again, he, he's just such a better horse than him. Um, Aspire Tower absolutely thumped him last year as well. Um, off a comeback, and he, he went on to win the Morgan last year, but he just hasn't had he just hasn't had any sort of a prep run this season. And that is just turning me off him. Um, as much as everyone will know that I love this horse, and I think that more grade ones will fall his way this season as he just can get himself 
into those positions. But Echoes and Rain, like yourself, Dean, I'm yet to be convinced by her, to be honest, despite the fact that she has looked a little bit of a machine. And Saldier, he's he's won a Morgana before, obviously beaten Petit Mouchoir, obviously not the uh, strongest renewal, but still, he's won this race. And crucially, he's in great form. Uh, he won the Galway Hurdle. And the next time after that, then obviously come out and won the uh, the horse and jockey hotel uh, hurdle at uh, a Tipperary that uh, that great tree. He beat Durasso and Jason the Middleton that yep. day. Jason the Middleton has won since, unfortunately injured though now, but he is uh, he was and Durasso he came out and won since as well. So it's obviously it's not tremendous form. I don't. I'm not sure how deep Ray Sharjah. I, I think he might need this um, as much again as the ground will 100% suit him. I just think it's all falling the right way for Saldir, especially with his recent runs. I think he could catch these out here. Um, and I'm quite keen to take on Echoes and Rain as well, Dean. Yeah, definitely take it on. Uh, I'm not convinced with with which, but um, Stephen, will you be taking on Echoes and Rain? Would you take on Echoes and Rain, even if you're not? No. Yeah, I, I would take her on. She's a free-going buzzy type. She's rated 143. She's a lot to find stepping up to, yeah. to, to grade one. Um but uh, like Willie might only run her and there isn't much else in the race. Uh, and it's a different ball game, yeah. Well, like, there is something, you know, I would, if it was a match, I'd happily just blindly back Abigdara Sarzana here. If they were 7-4 to four and she was 4-7, to seven, I'd have no problem with that. Um, yeah. But if 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 a lot of them stand their ground and we're getting something like 4-1 to one Sharjah, he's the best horse in the race. Uh, he's a four-time grade one winner. Um, he's second in the the Cheltenham champion hurdle second punch out champion hurdle recently so i would back charge if he's any bit of a price and he runs yep um yep makes sense to me darren final shout on echoes in rain yeah dude charge is the charge has to be the bet here doesn't he yeah um yeah sorry if, if he runs I, th- I think the intention is to run mm. um bags of pace on here uh between echoes and rain stormy ireland look obviously might not run uh, Saldier can go forward I just I thought this was very obvious best horse in the race the risk is going to set up for him for all they say he might improve for it I don't think he I, I think he could run a little bit below himself and still win this um, yeah I think it's pretty straightforward if you know he runs uh, what did Willie say last Sheldon GSI uh, but Alaho I'd be saying the same thing with a charger here Okay, so that, that, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. And I think we're all in agreement that Echoes and Rain, even money against the slot, um, seems a bit bonkers. And that is the Morgiana at Punchestown on Sunday. Right, chaps, we've got through a mountain of racing. Uh, we've ex- overextended once again on the race hour, um, which is the worst name podcast in, uh, in the history of horse racing because we never managed to do it. But uh, I do need naps from you. Um, Dermo, I know you're always the most prepared. So why don't you give me your best bet of the weekend? It can be from anywhere. Yeah, look, um, after all my talk over two years about him, I probably will have to nap him. So it's Benson in the 325 at Cheltenham on uh, on Saturday. Yep, okay, Benson for Dermo. Darren, go for it, give us your nap. Yeah, I'll be directly opposing Dermo um, on a gathering storm in the 250 at Cheltenham on Saturday. I don't think 10s are bigger. I think it's cracking better. Okay, on a gathering storm. Uh, yeah, going going right against that one. Stephen Cass? Uh, Cormier in the Greatwood. Lovely. Cormier and the great book for Brian Ellison. And, um, well, I can't do anything but nap uh, Galahad Quest. I just hope it, you know, my extra few pounds don't cause it uh, any grief. Uh, super excited about it. One of those horses that you like so much that when it runs in the big race, you're almost hoping that it doesn't run so you don't have to, you know, think about it again. Um, can but, can, yeah, I, can I give one, one more little mention to a horse? Um, of course you can. 
Yeah, no one's going to be listening now anyway, so there's no harm giving this away. In the one thirteen at Punchstown on Saturday, do you remember yeah. the Holdens brought over French Seal uh, yeah. last year? The same colours, same thing. They're bringing over a horse from France called Swinging London. And I heard he was quite impressive in a schooling race at Thurlis. Dennis O'Regan rides on Saturday, he's declared, and he'd be one to watch. Dennis O'Regan, of course, rode French Seal when he won his three-year-old maiden hurdle at Leopardstown. So swinging London in the 113 and punch down one to watch for sure. Love it. Okay, that's super. Thank you. My thanks go to Darren Nolan, Darren Hughes, Stephen Cass, and uh, you've been listening to The Race Hour brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Do enjoy the mountain of good racing on uh, this weekend. Best luck to you all. You've been listening to The Race Hour brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk. Your best bet for tips, news, and bookmaker reviews.